I'm Dapper Dan Gavonson, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm Mischievous Marchinacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals. And isn't there some kind of event coming up, Dan, where there's like a bunch of annuals tying into an event, like a contest of champions thing? And I think like adjectiveless Spider-Man is getting an annual. I didn't see one for Amazing Spider-Man, but... Even if it, it did have an annual, it doesn't count. I actually didn't know about that. Look at you. You're ahead on the solicits for one. Oh, uh, What's going on here? Maybe we got mind swapped. And wait a minute. That actually pertains to this episode. So welcome, everybody, to the Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for a review episode of our Amazing Spider Talk. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. And of course, leave us a review to help spread the word about our show. This podcast exists because of the support of our Patreon members. We now have over 200 of you. It's very exciting. If you want to receive early episodes, exclusive artwork, and keep this podcast going, go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com and consider joining our Patreon, where all the episodes of Season 6 are going up several weeks early, including interviews with some of our favorite Spider-Man creators. But today on the show, Mark and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 6, Number 29, this issue was written by Zeb Wells. The cover pencils and interior pencils are by Ed McGinnis. Inks are by Mark Farmer. Colors by Marcio Menez. And of course, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This issue was first released on July 12th, 2023. Mark, why don't you give us your patented recap of this issue? We open with some disorienting images of Spider-Man and J. Jonah Jameson. Don't look down, a voice says, and of course, Spider-Man is looking down. Pan up, and we get the wackiest inversion of the Amazing Fantasy number 15 cover yet, Jonah in Doc Ock's harness carrying Spider-Man to safety. Jonah brings Spidey back to some safe place, but... All Spider-Man wants to know is, where does Otto have his best friend in the universe, Norman Osborn? In fact, Otto has Norman strapped in with one of his patented mind-reading helmets, and we're going back in time to about nine years ago when Norman Osborn was the master of the skies, Mason Banks, and Otto was the superior Spider-Man. A story that is so universally beloved now, no one remembers how the internet had a meltdown back then either. 
and it's only because of whatever is happening now is really, really bad, right? Actually anyway. bad this time, is what people are yeah. saying. Oh, actually bad, exactly. Okay, so, it turns out that the helmet is showing Norman Otto's memories of him. Otto still doesn't know what happened to all of his memories. Something supernatural, he bets. If by supernatural he means it happened in a B-book that upwards of 11,000 people read the conclusion of, he's right on that fact, right, Dan? Anyway, Otto <laughs> wants Norman to admit that he's been shamed. So Norman does admit it, I have been shamed, though not with much feeling, but that's good enough for Otto Octavius. Back to Spider-Man and Jonah, and Jonah is still showing just how super close he is to those octopus arms. The arms seem quite keen on connecting to Peter, and even show off the spinal interface, which sounds like an early 80s punk band. Elsewhere, <laughs> a woman is hanging upside down, and it turns out she's not a criminal, but a dog walker. What kind of spider creature would do something so ridiculous? It can't be Ben Riley or Kane, since Marvel really doesn't have a place for them anymore as part of the Spider-Man universe, right? But wait! Back from his world tour of being a one-joke wonder, Wreck Rap is here to save the day! Complete with an editorial note from Nick Lowe that says the quiet part out loud about the fact that there's really no purpose or direction here, but they just think Wreck Rap is cool and they want to keep using them. Just as we predicted, Dan. Anyway, back to Norman and Otto. And Otto is still trying to get Norman to talk. And Norman is all like, I'll talk. I just have nothing really compelling to say anymore because my sins were cleansed with the bang, bang, magic shotgun. Obviously, a mind as great as Otto thinks this is patently ridiculous. And of course, he has ways of making people talk. We're now back to Peter and Jonah, and Peter relents to joining with the octopus arms, and he immediately gets a sensation that he misses this? And did Peter get his mind wiped at the end of Superior 2, Dan? What's happening here? Well, here's where I push up the, the, the brow of my glasses uh, with one finger very slowly and clear my throat and say, well, actually, Mark, Peter didn't get his mind wiped at the end of Superior. What I suspect is happening here is that this is the memories of the arms of Peter, but not the Peter we know now, because the Peter we know now is a memory restoration from the ghost Peter that occupied uh, the body of Peter when Otto is there and was deleted and suddenly undeleted magically at the end of Superior. We'll leave complaints about that aside. The Peter that knew these arms was the one that died inside of Dr. Octopus's body. Now, I'm not really sure of the details about this. Did, did Spider-Man, Superior Spider-Man recover his arms from the dead Otto Octavius? It seems like that must have been the case. Whatever the case, I think these arms remember Peter's mind from inside of Otto Octavius's body during the Dying Wish arc. Am I making any sense, Mark? I mean, I don't think you're making sense, but I also don't think you're wrong from your description. So, you know, all of the, the sins that you, you made not knowing about the annual crossover in our intro... You have been absolved. Bang, bang, magic shotgun, Dan. You're, <laughs> I'll, you're I'll take it. Genie, you're free. <laughs> I'll take your, you are nonsense, but correct. Uh, like that, that's about as good as I'm going to get. All right. And that, it, what comic is not nonsense, but correct? Anyway, 
So, may I continue, Dan, or do you yes, have any please, more? Yes, well, please. Please continue. Here. Okay. I, I will interrupt you if I feel the need to correct you again. Thank you very much. Okay. So, Otto is still having his way with Norman, and after Osborne once again says he doesn't have a master plan to reveal, Otto says, okay, well, it's revenge time. Meanwhile, Peter is working with Otto's tools and presents a pretty badass redesign of the Spider-Man octopus thing. It's not quite the Iron Spider, but, you know, I think cooler, frankly. And meanwhile, there's a shirtless Norman Osborn who awaits his ultimate fate from Otto, which appears to be an injection of his old friend, the Goblin Serum. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I'm here to inject you with serum again. I don't know, Dan, but that's my recap. Why don't we get to the review? Well, I want to start this review off because this is an Otto Octavius heavy comic. And I think you and I have slowly been warming to the reintroduction of Otto Octavius in this book. But still like, ah, I wish they hadn't done this. And I want to issue a huge mea culpa here. Like I, d I am unused to my opinion swinging so wildly in another direction in the middle of a story. Like I didn't want to see Otto again, but this issue utterly convinced me otherwise because Zeb is doing, I think something really interesting with the character in this story that matches perfectly with the kind of a arc of what's going on with Norman. And I think it's a continuation of this ongoing coincidence. Maybe it's not a coincidence. It's, the best that Zeb Wells is doing is when he focuses on the Norman stuff and uses these other villains and kind of micro targeted story arcs to bring out something about Norman. If that was all this run was, I think it would be an absolute like, you know, whatever slam dunk, like uh, uh, how he's using these. And in this case, how he's using Otto has convinced me a hundred percent that like he's got something really interesting to do with this character. And suddenly I don't regret having him here. This is a really great inclusion of this villain. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we have seen a progression of Otto through these three stories so far, or through these three issues so far. And it, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's, it's headed in a, in a really interesting direction. I mean, you know, I, 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 I don't think, you know, it's not so much a mea culpa, but again, you know, I know certain people don't like when critics like us say this, but it's it's more of a demonstration of why you sometimes have to let a story play out uh, to see what the creators are intending to do here. Because, you know, we got, you know, the first part was, like you said, it was just kind of this Otto's back and like, okay, so what? Uh, you know, and then, you know, we kind of in part two saw more of the criminal mastermind Otto, but like, you know, he was he was clearly after something. And, and, and now like this this issue really does start peeling back the the layers of the onion here about what what is driving Otto here and and I I I'm I am far more interested in Otto's unresolved issues and failures vis-a-vis -vis Norman Osborn than Spider-Man at this point you know like I feel like we kind of got the resolution more or less I mean we weren't at the time particularly satisfied about it but we got the resolution with Otto and Peter at the end of Superior like I don't know if there's more 
stuff that needs to be explored there in terms of their dynamic. And, and you know, maybe part of our own resistance, I mean, personally speaking, was was built on the fact of like, oh, we really going to just go over that ground again with with Spider-Man and Otto. I mean, like we've we've done it, you know, like but but no, the, the Norman stuff, I mean. I've been frankly saying that I wanted to see more of the Peter and Norman stuff, but like, this is just as, I don't know if it's just as good, but it's good. You know, like I, 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 I like when Zeb frankly plays with this dynamic with Norman. I want, I want Like you said, I want to see more of this. I want, you know, it doesn't always have to be Norman and Peter. It could be Norman and Otto. It could be Norman and Harry. Well, I, there is no Harry anymore, but you know what I mean? Like it could be Norman and these other characters, but if you're going to change the status quo or not even change, not that Zeb has changed it. He took Nick Spencer's status quo and has built on it um, in an effective way. And, and this is, this has been good stuff. So like, you know, again, like, Sometimes you just got to see where this is going. I mean, you know, we can we can sometimes see where it's going and then not like where it ends up. We saw that in the last arc for sure. But like, I think this has been a pleasant surprise of an arc because of where we're going, not just with the storyline, but with the characters. You know, like I, 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 I love all of these characters in the Spider-Man universe. This is why this is my comic of choice for all these years. And I feel like Zeb is having fun and playing around in the sandbox a bit and exploring new dynamics. So I mean, kudos to that. There's definitely something, you know, and this is probably the first time we've really explored it to this extent, which is like, even the villains don't accept or understand Norman being good, you know? And, you know, that's a really interesting dynamic because it throws all of that out of sync. And I think this is probably the best demonstration we've gotten of that. Meanwhile, Peter is desperate to keep that bomb that is Norman Osborn from going off, you know, in relation to those villains. So it creates a complex thing. That's not just, I'm going to fight Otto because he's a bad guy. It's like our motivations vis-a-vis Norman Osborn are in direct conflict with each other. I mean, I, I think I would have loved to have known Otto's intentions more upfront. I'm glad that we got them here. You know, I think the Zeb likely felt like he had to spend that first issue doing something to address the Kamala Khan thing. And by now that's completely forgotten. Like there is no, even the darker Peter that we saw in the first part of this story, who was like not having fun being Spider-Man is pretty much gone by this issue. And you could nitpick it for that. Uh, or or criticize it for that. I don't even know if that's fair to call it a nitpick, but I frankly am like, okay, good. I don't, I don't want to spend any more time on that dud of a story direction, you know, like, yeah, but Hey, fallen friend came out the same day as this one, Dan. So you gotta, you got you had to pick that one up. So yeah, I actually did. And I, I haven't read it. I haven't read it yet either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I will be reading it. Uh, I haven't read it yet. Um, I, I will but read I've heard it to all dislike this. it. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as all I've heard is it's very well written book. I the the interaction I like the most because I think it gets to the heart of like what's going on here and is kind of like a meta commentary on this whole story is that Norman says, Otto, I've changed. Why can't you accept that? And Otto's response is because I wasn't allowed to, you know, and that's a really great motivation to me, you know, like uh, like I mean, one, it fits Otto as a character who sees himself above everybody else. And if he's not allowed to to 
claim victory in some way. And we see him here wrestling with like the idea of like, wait a minute, did I actually try to be a good guy? Like he's wrestling with that complicated feeling here. If, if I wasn't allowed to be redeemed, you certainly won't get allowed to be redeemed. And I, I thought that was utterly compelling. And, you know, one of those interesting times that the book like references the sort of like narrative rubber banding where the characters always have to snap back to being a villain and a villain kind of like taking objection to that. I thought that was really clever. I, I, I was uh, utterly compelled by that idea. Definitely. I mean, and the other thing I was thinking about a lot while reading this, Dan, and I don't know if you you thought about this at all, but like, you know, kind of going back to one of the first points I was making is we, we historically we have not seen a lot of Norman and Otto together. I mean, you know, Otto has always, you know, been the leader of the Sinister Six and, you know, but the Green Goblin has, you know, always been kind of above being in a in a super group outside of like what the Mark Millar run or something like that. I mean, you know, but but the point being like, but I was thinking about that. What was it? The Kevin Shinnick, Ron Friends story from Superior Spider-Man team up from like. Yeah, yeah. Great issue where. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like a very underappreciated like no one talks about those comics uh, much anymore. And, and we I think at the time when we talked about it really enjoyed them and and. I, I was kind of brought back now, of course, in those stories, Norman was very much a villain. And I feel like Otto was being played more as the sympathetic character there. And this is kind of a, a, a Freaky Friday of that, uh, where Norman is more of the, the, you know, the character that you're supposed to sympathize with, uh, even if like Otto, not necessarily, I mean, he's he's clearly acting with bad intentions here. But like you said, like there's that layer of complexity of, you know, what's driving him is is his his own inability to be redeemed and his, you know, is it resentment that that he feels? Is it just acknowledging it and being confused by it? I mean, it's 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 just a lot to unpack. And regardless, like I just really like these characters playing off each other here because I think it, it, it's it's it feels fresh. We really have only gotten this a smattering of times over 60 plus years of this universe. And um, it, it just kind of brings a fresh and exciting feeling to it to be like, oh yeah, that's, it. you know, these are the two, you know, depending on your your perspective, it's one A and one B in terms of Spider-Man villains. And it's like, you know, so how are we gonna, how are we gonna, you know, navigate the two of these together in the same room as, as oppositional forces, you know? And and I, I, I just want to say, like, I think the Norman Osborn of it all has not gotten stale yet. Like, we're over a year in, and I'm still deeply compelled by this character change and its influence on the universe. Like, uh, m- maybe getting more stories that are in the same parallel track as this will get exhausting after a while. Like, just how much will it take to break Norman bad again, um, as we all suspect is bound to happen? You know, I I don't know how much of that I'm willing to take, but like when it's this interesting, I I am like still on board with that plot line and wish that was really the driving focus of this rather than the whole MJ Paul Rabin stuff that I think has kind of been an interruption to this deeply compelling status quo. Maybe someday, Mark, you and I can reveal 
the information we had sent to us in the past week and a half that kind of changed our perspective on on all of this, I think, a little bit. But that's uh, that's for another day. Uh, so just a tease out there for everybody. But wow, what a tease. <laughs> uh, it is a tease. What do you think about the voice of Otto in this? Because he's been kind of like a silly or 1960s adjacent thing. But I kind of found like in this issue, I was like, this is the balance I was looking for. He's kind of silly and funny in his own megalomaniacal way, but also like legitimately scary in a bunch of instances. I don't know if I was necessarily scared of Otto here, but like I, 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 I do feel there was far more complexity to the character here than certainly we saw in the previous two issues. And, and frankly, what we have seen from Otto since the end of Superior, I feel like, I mean, his subsequent appearance, I mean, the, I shouldn't, I mean, the Christos Gage story uh, series was interesting, but again, as I joked in the recap, who read that? I, I, you know, like I, 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 you know, it's almost like, you know, if a tree falls in the wood and no one hears it, does it happen? I don't know. Yeah. You know, does it make a sound? I, uh, you re- you really have it out for the sales numbers of that. Title. I, I, it's, it's, Look, like you, a book can be as great as it, it can be, but if it doesn't happen and then they start pulling in and referencing it, like what, you know, like it, it's hard for me, you know, like, like, yeah, we're the nerds who read everything. But like, you know, I'm you're you're putting this in the one of the best selling books that, you know, the comic industry has right now. How many casuals are reading that book and understand what's happening here? You know, the, the greater sin in that regard, I think, is the reintroduction of Norman Osborn in the Ravencroft book. Like. Who would pick who's picking up a title called Ravencroft? You know, like that that is maybe the like amongst the most niche audiences ever. And they used it to bring back Spider-Man's biggest villain, uh, like of all of all time. Like that to me was a baffling choice. I I agree with you. I wish more people had read Christos Gage's really solid series. And it is weird. I mean, even the red, the queen goblin thing was weird where it's like, we killed her off in, in gold goblin. And now she's, you know, back and amazing. And there is a question about truly how, like we pick up all these books, but truly how many people are expected to buy every Spider-Man title? I I, I won't make sales uh, figure numbers, uh, jokes anymore, but, but, but point being is like, it's, I, I, I too appreciated the mix of humor here. I felt like, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, like, I legitimately giggled at the sections where like Otto was just like pressing Norman, and and Norman's just like, I, I got nothing, man. You know, like I, I, I and, and but like the, the I guess printing too- out his master plan got me a laugh, like with the old like print line zinc zinc sounds, yeah, like uh, yeah, that, that yeah. made me laugh. Yeah, but but to your point, like it, you you definitely kind of like saw far more sadistic side to Otto when like you know like he made you know he was kind of the punchline of the joke of like you know you gotta you know I'm gonna make you talk all right I'm talking I have nothing to say okay Uh, but then like he he definitely ratcheted up and then like grabbing the goblin serum at the end I mean like you know and and we could talk about this later in the episode when we start talking about some of the characterization with Norman here but the fact of the matter is like because of the fact that we by hook or by crook have been made to care about Norman Osborn and like his, his long-term sanity and, and goodness here, like that final 
move from from Otto was like, you know, was dastardly. It was like, oh man, that's a that's that's a true supervillain flex there. You know, like he's just like, you know, I am I am done playing games. You know, like done with you. Yeah, I don't here care comes about the your, chaos agent. Yeah, yeah, I don't care about your redemption tour anymore. So anyway, like it, it's it, it it's it's a very interesting arc to Otto for sure. Do we want to talk a little bit about? The Peter of it all, because I mean, it is his book after all. Yeah, it is his book. And I don't want to make it sound like he's a passive agent in it because he's not. It's just I think the Otto and Norman stuff was more interesting. But like, you know, not not to go comparing arcs here, but like Peter is not a, uh, an absent voice in this book. I don't think so much so that like him being like, where's Norman is kind of like, you know, the what's dry, you know, where, where's Wallace, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, is, is the wire of Gen X reference anyway. But yeah, it, it, it's like that, that kind of desperation to like, oh boy, like I gotta, I gotta get to Norman. I gotta save Norman. I mean, it was like, oh wow. You know, like it, 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 it adds to the drama here and makes me the reader care about Norman even more. I did find it a little odd that the book opens with him wrapped up in J. Jonah Jameson's arms because like we're miss it seems like we're missing a whole chunk of story where Jameson bursts in with the arms and Spider-Man is like, I guess he passed out at the end of the last issue and Jonah scoops him up. I don't know that I needed to see it because I can read between the lines and I enjoyed the opening with the kind of like hazy visuals and McGinnis's cool layouts and that really great reversed amazing fantasy 15 cover image that you uh uh referenced uh, earlier but yeah i'm i i really dug the desperation of peter here and regarding norman but like it, it's it's an additional like add-on like all all of this run we've seen peter wearing norman's gear and you know you ask yourself like would peter really like accept you know this you know from his greatest nemesis you know, under whatever guys, you know, I don't know that he needs to wear the armor to monitor Norman, but it does keep him in, you know, like close co connection with Norman. And here we're taking that to like a step further, which is like, he knows that interacting with Otto's tech is a deeply perilous uh, situation for him, given that the last time he did it, he, you know, lost control of his body, you know? Um, but here he knows, like, look, like, if that were to happen to me, even still, the return of the goblin is unacceptable. You know, like, I'm willing to merge my spine with these arms if it means safekeeping Norman. And I liked watching him, like, weigh that out. It's not spelled out, you know, entirely on the page, but I think the weight of it is there, and the unease about, it. I mean, like the way McGinnis draws the like teeth of the spinal thing is like, yeah, you don't want to stick your back into that. Right, right. I, it's funny. I, I, I feel like you're doing a really good job right now, like no prizing, like the actual story of it all here. And meanwhile, like a part of me and this is not necessarily a criticism, but like I'm like looking at this like I feel like we kind of reverse engineer Peter's story here to get to some really awesome visuals from McGinnis here. I, I, I like, like, like that. I, and, and like, that's, again, I'm not necessarily critiquing it because it does work from a storyline. If you kind of fill in some of the blanks, like you just did there, but also like, man, those, those, those visuals, like seeing, I mean, yes, the, the visual of Jonah with 
the arms. Not so much that that's a iconic image per se of Jonah doing it, but it's 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 a great image. I mean, like like yeah, like like that that to me that was very clearly of I have an idea. How do we get to this idea? And we got to the idea, but like but then like in terms of how we were going to bring like Peter to the arms and like once once he's he's in this in the 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 suit and he kind of like you know, gives it his own little branding and stamp on it. It's like, this is, this looks good. Like I, I, I'm buying this. And like, I, I, I want to see what Peter can do here in, in this getup to, to save the day. Um, And like, yeah, I, I, I feel like the urgency is very well captured throughout, even in some of the reverse engineering from a storyline standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why Peter felt the need to like, you know, spray paint the arms red in, in this moment of, uh, of haste, but whatever, it's worth it for the page turn reveal and Peter saying an octopus isn't the only thing with eight legs, which is like something we've thought about. I think everybody who knows about Dr. Octopus is like, that guy is almost more of a Spider-Man than Spider-Man. You know, like, <laughs> I think everybody's had that idea. And so, you know, I, I know you have your patented fist pump moment, uh, s- s- like saying that you used to write about on your blog you know, and for me, this was like one of those. It was like Peter's got a cool line, a cool new outfit, you know, like I, and he put web shooters on the arms like I want to see that in action. And I know Ed McGinnis is going to make it look really cool. And so even if you felt like Peter was a little bit of in the back seat in this issue, uh, I know the next issue is going to be him leading the charge facing whatever odds it is that he is going to be facing, whether that's a rejuvenated Norman and like Otto or, or what? Uh, so I thought, you know, he maybe has like seven pages in, in this issue, but uh, I, I, I didn't miss him. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, like what I did appreciate too was, you know, like I felt, I got a little nervous the first couple of sequences with Peter and Jonah that they were going to just lean into these jokes with Jonah and the arms again and like their relationship there. But they really kind of like they 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 did a couple very early on like one page and then they kind of moved on from it. And I feel like, OK, like that 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 joke is dead, in my opinion. Like now it's about Peter and and his connection to all this and reconciling it and making decisions. And, you know, and like you said, what's the greater good here? You know, is it me, you know, me and auto tech or, or, or preventing Norman from becoming the goblin again. And, and I feel like, you know, to, 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 to use another one of my patented terms, uh, there was, there was appropriate gravitas here to the decisions being made, even if there was some kind of fun quirkiness to it, like spray painting uh, it in uh, Spider-Man Red. But like, I, I, I just didn't want to see like, you know, like Jonah being like, well, what did you do to my arm, my friends, my my pet? You know, like they they, 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 they kind of ditched that in the rearview mirror. I guess they got their their quota of silliness with the one page of rec rap that they had to get in there. You know, like <laughs> uh, far be it to me to like psychoanalyze the arms. I'm still like one. I hope that there is some repercussion for Peter making this choice. You know, like I, I think like they're already talking about like the memories blurring together and what if that's just like a kind of smart nod to that history i'm fine with that but like ultimately i think it would be really great if like it does backfire you know on peter in some way 
uh, like even if he resolves his problem regarding Norman and, and Otto. But I also am still curious and maybe a little bit unclear on the motivation of the arms themselves because, and even here they bring it up. Like Jonah's like, you know, oh, my my pet cat in the form of octopus arms, you know, like, and, and Peter reminds him like, Hey, we wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for those arms. They're the ones that took over Norman's computers. And so I'm like, Hey, so what is it? Are the arms like good? Do they just love Peter and Jonah for some reason? Like I get why they like Peter. Like, so, but they still seem to be doing Otto's bidding in some way. I, so I don't know if I'm meant to be that unclear on like what's going on with these arms, but like they bring it up enough to say like, we don't really know what the arms intentions are. So I'm, I'm hoping that that gets clarified in the next issue or so. You know where I bet we can get lots of theories about the intentions of the octopus arms. Dan? Oh, so many theories, Mark, the, the, the slack, right? I yeah, mean, that's the place to go. That? Yeah. Okay, well, let me tell people about the Slack. Hundreds, yeah, go for it. Hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting, conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and much, much more. Dan, what has been going on in the Slack this week? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. We had a bunch of new members come in this week and I was messaged by one of them saying like, Hey, like what are the rules of the Slack here? Like, and I said, like, there really is one rule to the Slack, which is don't be an asshole. Like we have a no asshole policy in the Slack, you know? And like, that's not to say it's super strictly enforced. It's just that everybody is like, typically on their best behavior and it's a really fun place to talk about Spider-Man and you know as Twitter has been kind of like falling apart this week and we got threads and yada 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 I think everybody is kind of looking for a home to talk about comics that's kind of unified in one place and for me that's the slack you know like I think I've been even quieter on social media than ever because I'm just like why am I even bothering the slack is great and it's full of great conversation and People going as nerdy or not nerdy as you want. Like, uh, I love that Alan, uh, available Alan, likes to pop in there with his reviews when he likes a comic every now and again. You know, like, it, it's it's a fun place to be. So, like, beyond what we've been talking about, like, it, it was nice to be reassured, like, hey, like, that is the rule. And, and the guy responded to me and he said, then I think I found my people. You know, and it's like, great. Like, that's why Mark we started the show and why we do what we do is like, cause we want to prove that like you can like Spider-Man and not be an asshole <laughs> prove it's in the pudding. Like whether you agree with me on that or not uh, case in point, this week has been fun in the slack, uh, you know, we're talking about Deadpool three news. I'm sure Mark, you saw the photographs of Wolverine in his yellow spandex, so to speak. now, unfortunately today at the time of recording this, uh, uh, SAG decided to strike. Uh, well, fortunate or un- unfortunate, I hope they that they strike and get good results for their actors. But that means that production has been shut down the day after they released this image. What what do you think of Spandex Wolverine? I mean, hey, like like everyone else, it's just. I mean, I know they, they you know that the famous joke from the original X Men movie in in 
2000. I mean, like, what, what were you expecting? Yellow spandex? Like, hey, like, bottom line, and I've talked about this both on the show and elsewhere before, Dan, is like, you know, we are we are making movies about characters and tights and capes and who fly and have weird powers and who contort like a spider. Like, what are you embarrassed of? Stop, stop acting like the source material is silly and embarrassing. It's all silly and embarrassing and that's what we love about it. So I like, for me, it's like, yes, like this is what Wolverine is. Are you kidding me? Like, just get him in the freaking cow now. Like, I, I like, like, let's just do it. Like, please, for the love of God, like, what are we hiding about? You know, like the, the cowl is my greatest fear because we've not seen it yet. I think the cowl has the most potential to be completely silly, but my big fear about it is that they end up making it nanobots because it's in the MCU. Like, I don't want to see nanobot switch on, switch off cowl. I want to see Wolverine pull on and off a mask, you know, like uh, that. That's what I want to see. And, uh, you know, like, although I love Hugh Jackman's face and, and, and all of that, uh, I, I'm thrilled about this. It feels like a cultural moment that we've like finally arrived at Wolverine looking like he does in the comics. Like it may be like 15 years too late, you know, but like we're here, you know, like, and he's in the MCU now and it seems like we're finally going to get like, well, we've all wanted Hugh Jackman. I, I feel like it's worth Hugh Jackman coming back just to check off like, Okay, fine. I, I will wear the yellow costume. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've been talking about it on the Slack. Come join us. There's a link in the description to this episode. You can click on it. You'll sign up in less than a minute. Come in, announce your presence, and we'll welcome you into the uh, web of life and destiny. And uh, yeah, that's the Slack. Let's get back to talking about Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 6, Number 29. Absolutely. Well, like, wh- wh- why don't we talk a little bit about Ed McGinnis here? I mean, kind of talking about the idea of being embarrassed of your source material. I don't know. I mean, like, we, 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 we've had some issues, I feel, with McGinnis, um, not so much in terms of his style, but kind of how his style alters the tone of this book. Personally speaking, uh, Dan, I, I, I felt like this was a vast improvement on that regard. I feel like we, we, we had a good balance between some some snarky humor and you know some good stakes uh and and i i i felt like this was mcginnis's best issue visually so far so you know like I, what, what about you i agree with you and i think it's funny because like it doesn't really have any reason to be his most visually interesting because it's really just a bunch of people in rooms kind of talking to each other you know but i think it's really allowed him to like let the characters act and his layouts to be really interesting. Uh, this is still an elevated modern Spider-Man comic, you know, and I don't feel like we get a lot of like, quote unquote, elevated comics anymore. Like the whole thing is like how grim and gritty and down to earth and, and, and serious can we take it? The fun of the visuals elevate the exposition and dialogue heavy comic into something that was more expressive and I'll let his character acting on the page really sing. And so I think, like, weirdly an issue not designed to take advantage of this, like, really ultimately took huge advantage of what he brings to the page. 
Yeah, I mean, kind of similar to what I was referring to earlier with like Jonah in the arms. I feel like one of the things that this issue benefited from visually was like some of the stuff that was really elevated and over the top. It was kind of like it it, it was well done, but short, you know, like we had, you know, like that opening sequence with Jonah and Amazing Fantasy 15. It's 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 a fun page. And then we moved on from it. I mean, it was like, you know, that first page, which is, I thought, a really creative layout that led to that page. And then that was it. Rec wrap, which I'll, I'll refer to again. You keep you keep avoiding the rec wrap of it all, but I won't let you, Dan. No, uh, I actually you know, wanted like, to talk about it. So I'm glad you brought okay. it up. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I mean, like, hey, look, like when we first if the when we, I think it was your you're the one who said it when we first had our appearance of rec rap we were like rec rap is great i never have to see rec rap again and we both knew that wasn't going to be the case because <laughs> you know like I, like I think i also said that he has serious razorback potential so like it, it oscillates for me like you know like he did something great but then here it developed and i was like nope i actually really like rec rap the like misspelled like card and the cop saying he's normally wittier than this yeah. made me laugh like I, i'm not yeah. gonna lie like it's legit funny to have like dumb spider-man swinging around right and 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 that's the thing though it's it's legitimately funny to have dumb spider-man swinging around in small doses you know like i, I like i i like a whole issue dedicated to that which we have not seen yet but maybe we will. <laughs> I have a feeling like, that it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that might, that might be tough. Like that, 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 that could just end up being like, you know, the, the, the famous issue uh, where Spider-Man and Wolverine switch bodies and ultimate, which I, I actually like that comic, but what am I going to, you and Nick Lowe, you and Nick Lowe. <laughs> we're like, yeah, it we're soul brothers. Anyway. Um, point being is like, I feel like a lot of the, the, over the top stuff that that um, McGinnis does here, I mean, even the stuff in the previous issues that he's done, it always looks good or interesting, or or, or, or but like it just because it's in constant with so much other stuff that's over the top, it just kind of feels off. And I think because we had it, it's in short but powerful doses, and then it moves on to story and to character, and you're just like, okay. Like I, I like that was a fun visual. Now I can move on to the next thing. And he keeps even the smaller moments moving in an interesting way. Like you said, because he's, he's, he's very good at layouts. Like like he, he really lays the page out in a clean but unique way. Yeah, this this really worked for me for the most part. Like I really, really love McGinnis's work here. Well, I think I think it's, you know, goes to show that like uh, in comics, you can't really separate the writing and the art like they very are, you know, they're very much in concert with each other because together they create tone and theme and, and, and so on. You know, um, I I was you know, I went and saw the new Indiana Jones today, you know, what rewatching some of the older Indiana Jones. And, and I always find it funny how much those movies are so adept at shifting tone so quickly. You know, you've got like silly you know jokey stuff matched up with like things with real gravitas and Spielberg is really excellent at that and you know comics can be really good too when they are able to do that and it relies on a writing and art team really working well together and I think this is a really good example of like how something can make you laugh and make you buy into the stakes 
you know, simultaneously. You know, I, I think it's something that Stan Lee was actually really excellent at in his own dialogue, you know, when paired up with, you know, Dicko and Ramita senior, you know, he, his voice could sell both things. Um, so, you know, like I, I, I'm seeing the potential for Ed and Zeb in this comic. It's like, okay, like this should be, this is the ideal of like what that team up can do, produce and what it produced, I think is one of the best issues of this run. So like, I'm no longer like hesitant about those two working together. I just like, I'm beginning to identify what makes it work and not work. Uh, I did want to ask you uh, about the cover here. You know, it's a, uh, it's a pretty strong, if not kind of inventory looking cover, you know, in some ways you could say maybe like I I couldn't figure out, do you think it's an homage to Spider-Man one or superior Spider-Man one, which maybe is an homage to Spider-Man one itself. Because I was like, is there anything about this cover that makes it distinct to this issue? And maybe it's the superior connection. Uh, did any of that strike you? Or do you just think it's like, well, I'm doing my Todd McFarlane cover? I didn't think that deeply about it. I got to be honest with you. But I think you raised an interesting point. I, 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 am, I am going to choose to believe it's a reference to Superior One. Uh, I, 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 that That is... That I don't know if you convinced me per se, but you put the idea in my head and I want to believe it. It is. There's a sort of like crawling forward, downward angle that is similar to that, to that like first issue of superior. All right. So moving on, like the, the, we got a really great cliffhanger at the end of this issue. We're not really that much in the speculation game, but like, do you think, do you think this is it? Like is Norman now doomed to become the goblin again? Like, is this if it that if that happened here, like, are you like, OK, this is a good moment for that to be like Norman's downfall? Well, well, master of the solicitations. I mean, don't we already know the answer to that, Dan, or or, or what? I mean, OK, I don't know. Like there is a cover, right, with like the shattered face of the goblin coming up or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We... But that's not for like another six or so issues. So, you know, like like. Maybe this is the thing that triggers that downfall. We still have a little ways to go. The only reason I ask is because, and again, you know, the B titles, you know, how much you trust them as canon is really up to you. Mark, I know you've been reading Red Goblin, um, which I actually thought is a pretty great series. Enough that I think it was originally solicited as a mini series, and now it seems to be an ongoing, or at least that it's been expanded. It's an issue six, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it's starting a new story arc. So, like, apparently we're going to keep going with this. And I'm, you know, I was very hesitant about, like, reading a normie, Osborne, goblin, childy series. Hey, I still think he would have been a better choice than Mason Banks for uh, Superior, but that's the only thing. No, I I think you're (laughs) probably right. In Red Goblin, which is also very Norman focused, it it did maintain that Norman, because he goes to, like into the underground and fights like the reanimated corpse of like Phil Urich's Goblin Knight in in the sewers of Manhattan in his old Goblin uh, lair. But he like fights them off because he still has the powers of the Goblin, and I can't remember if Amazing, like really established whether or not Norman still had his goblin powers in the Spencer run or in this run. I mean, I, I, I guess it's, it's, it's possible, but I, I couldn't remember whether the powers got sapped 
but it's in, in, in Red Goblin, it establishes he just lost his insanity and his sins, not his goblin powers, and the serum is still flowing through his blood. So are we going to get like a, like, ha-ha, Otto, like, your master plan backfired. I already have the goblin serum. His face on the final page does not sell that emotion. So I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. This is a, a an industry and a, and, a, and a medium that is well known for misdirection. So, you know, like stay tuned if this is indeed the, the turning point. I guess it's a, a satisfying turn, but I, I got to see how they pay it off. You know, I, I can't I can't make that judgment yet. You know what I mean? Like, let's see more of it. And then just to kind of attempt to no prize you for a change. Um, all I would say, I mean, like, yes, like we've we've already established it's just the it, the insanity and 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 this is and his sins is what was wiped away possibly but like we could also kind of elevate that by saying like it's it's the insanity that makes him the green goblin not not the serum the serum itself is just a it's it's just a chemical the the use of the chemical is what triggered his insanity that was always was always inherent to him as i mean you know even before the serum you know norman osborn is kind of portrayed as a not good person who is un was mentally unstable so that that would be like my way to kind of explain it away like you know totally and you know and as for my opinion on this is like i think this is you know if this is it i think it's as good as any given that like you know ultimately i would want if Norman's going to turn back into the the Green Goblin, it should be as a result of like his past actions catching up with them. Like nobody gets a free get out of jail free card, you know. And like Otto's a pretty convincing, you know, like sin from his past, you know, catching up with him. The ultimate one would probably be something related to Gwen. I don't know what that would be, but like Otto's a pretty good one, you know, as we established, you know, their relationship during the superior era, I would buy it if this is ultimately where it's heading and, you know, like I'm ready to get to the fireworks factory. So anyway, what'd you think of this issue? You want to give it a grade? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a B plus, a high B plus. I, I really enjoyed this. I'm, I'm really intrigued. I mean, it's funny. When reading it, when it first came out, I forgot. I, I I shouldn't say I forgot. I assumed that this was only a three-part story arc. When I kind of saw where we were in the story versus like where we were physically in the comic, I was like, are they just going to like again quote myself attach the ending of this thing with a rivet gun or what like how are they going to resolve this and and i was like oh wait no there's more okay good like like it's it's one of the few times where like i kind of thought like a story was going to wrap and then it doesn't and i'm like oh but this is good like i want because I, I want more now and and so like that's a like that's the ultimate com compliment it made me want to read another installment that i didn't think i was going to get here so good stuff yeah great and, and b plus is exactly what i was going to say too so uh i think we're we're right we're right i, I want to give this thing like an a minus you know like i think if there was a more prominent role for peter to play in the issue which i think is coming in the next issue it could easily get there and uh, i think we're, we're we're set up for a really interesting potential uh like confrontation so um i'm excited for that in the next issue all right mark why don't you take us home well dan of course it's that time time for all good things to come to an end so we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. 
Yeah, this podcast exists because of listener support on Patreon. For only $3.99 a month, you can help support our show's existence while getting early episodes, including these reviews the same week the comics release. And I'll say, like, if you're listening to this review, you know, weeks in the future, Mark and I have gotten the past two reviews out the Thursday after New Comic Book Day. So... We've been really, we're getting back to our old schedule. Let's not make it a habit, Mark. No, don't, uh, <laughs> don't get used to it, folks. <laughs> we also give out exclusive artwork and a ton of other bonuses. Plus, a thank you to everyone who already supports us and the work that we do. And we wanted to issue a special thank you and welcome our newest patrons, Mark Bombroff, Afri, C Squared, and Aaron Cobbs. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, to download our earliest episodes, including interviews with legendary creators like J.M. Demetrius, Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Mark Bagley, and many, many more, subscribe to our Amazing Spider Talk Back Issues podcast on, op- on Apple Podcasts. And I'll add, like, uh, over over half of our Essentials episodes are now on the Back uh, on the back issues uh, feed. And those are really awesome. I've, I've enjoyed, you know, reposting those um, in, in that feed and, and giving some of them a, a listen like that, that. That was a cool series that we did. And if you're new to the show and you haven't listened to our, like our 30 essentials episodes about like the best Spider-Man comics, like uh, that's a cool place to learn about uh, maybe comics you haven't heard about or conversations about major books that Mark and I don't really feel the need to discuss anymore because we already covered them, you know? Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, as always, this podcast was edited by Rick Coast. The video version of the show is available on YouTube and was edited by Alex Galecki. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friend, Sal Busema, and Nick Cagnetti. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. And our animated intro was created and performed by Josh Sutton. So Mark... Until we bond with our podcasting equipment by shoving XLR cables directly into our spinal cords, what's our motto? Ooh, sounds sounds fun. Uh, with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Bum, bum. You cut me off last time. So. <laughs>